be looking at Revelation 6, those verses that were read, verses 9 to 11, and then also over in chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. About five years ago, as our family was coming home from visiting my mom for Thanksgiving, we were driving down the road when suddenly a car pulled out of a side parking lot right into the side of our van as we were driving. And I was driving, and I saw it coming out of the corner of my eye into us, just, you know, at the last minute, unexpectedly. And I swerved into the, across into the lane of on, oncoming traffic to try to avoid it, but I couldn't. It still hit us. But even worse, coming straight at us in the opposing lane was a dump truck. And so, thankfully, I was able to swerve back to avoid certain destruction. Um, and thankfully, no one was hurt. It, it all happened, of course, in the blink of an eye. But our, our van sustained enough mild damage down the whole side of it that it was considered totaled by the insurance company. Evidently, the, the older lady who hit us had pulled out into traffic, not even seeing that we were there. She obviously didn't look both ways, and she was very apologetic. The police came. They took a report. We were glad everyone was okay, and, and I was glad that it wasn't our fault, and so our insurance rates weren't going to go up. <laughs> Well, would you believe in the process of of processing our claim, the lady's insurance company contacted us and said that she had told them a very different story of what had happened. That she had claimed that she was driving innocently down the road and we had flown past her on the left across the divided line, passing illegally on the left. But because of the oncoming traffic coming, we'd had to cut back too soon and we had smashed into her car in the process. And her insurance said they were sorry, but unless it could be verified which of us was telling the truth, they would not be covering our claim. And I got off the phone, and you can imagine the emotions I was feeling. Blindsided, bewildered, shocked, betrayed, accused. How could this lady lie like this? How could she accuse me of driving recklessly when we were the victims of her poor driving? She had seemed so nice and so apologetic How could she go home and cook up this bald-faced lie against us? I felt this desire for justice rising up inside of me. I wanted to be vindicated. I wanted the truth to be told. I I wanted justice to be done, right? We, We all know this feeling. Well, thankfully, the lady's insurance called back a day later, and they said, well, we finally received the police report on the accident, and yeah, you were right, the it was totally the, the lady's fault, and we're going to pay your claim. Thank God for justice. <laughs> justice is a good thing. We all long for justice, and this is a good longing that we have. God has given us humans this deep heart desire to see things be right and fair, to see the innocent be vindicated, to see the oppressed be rescued, to see the deprived be compensated, to see the bad guys get apprehended and brought to justice. I mean, imagine if you went to the movies and every drama, every adventure movie ended with the bad guys, the evil enemies coming out on top and the good guys suffering defeat and oppression. Imagine if the enslaved never got freed. If those suffering captivity or torture never had anyone to rescue them. If the bullies never got stopped or stood up to. If the conspirators' plots never got uncovered before it was too late. If the villains never got brought to justice. Would you keep going to the movies? We all have this deep 
gut desire and longing for justice. We long to live in a world where justice is done. That's one of the wonderful blessings of living in America. We are a nation founded on the ideal of justice, imperfect as our justice may sometimes be. It's still our ideal, at least. That corruption is not allowed to go unchecked. That victims can call the police and they can get help. That that courts will render a fair verdict. And what we have to realize is that to the extent that we enjoy justice in this country, and I very much realize that the system does not work very well for everyone, but, but what we have to realize is that there are other nations where there is no justice. There's not even an ideal of justice. Where unless you have money, unless you have connections, the police aren't going to help you. In fact, they may victimize you. And you can't get a fair trial. And, and there are places right now in this in the world, and even in this country in some cases, where slaves groan in captivity still in the 21st century. Where the accused languish in prison, though they did nothing wrong. Where young girls suffer the nightmare of being sex slaves. Where children are abducted and torn from their parents, and in some cases forced to fight in gruesome guerrilla wars. And on and on it goes, right? And when we hear stories of these things, how do we feel? We, we, we feel that this is not right. We feel a longing to see justice done. And, and this is a good, a right, a godly way to feel. And this is what those in today's passage are longing for. When we hear them cry, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Those crying out in this passage are those who were slaughtered. They were put to death for no crime other than believing and following Jesus Christ and living good and peaceful lives and seeking to bless and serve their neighbors. And so they are longing for justice. And so question, why do we today have so much trouble with the idea of a God of justice? Peter mentioned, just flip through the hymnal. Where are the hymns? Why are we so squeamish about a God who judges and gives everyone what they deserve? Why don't we talk more, think more, sing more about the coming judgment, about hell, about the place of punishment? Why don't we long for God to judge the world like those in this passage that we read this morning do? If we long for justice, the the fact that the true God, the living God, the God of heaven is a truly just God, that should be great news. Why isn't it great news? I'll tell you why. Because everybody wants justice, but nobody wants to be judged. (laughs) Everybody wants to live in a world where there's justice, but no one wants a judge to examine or second-guess our lives or behaviors too closely to see if we are in any way at fault. Everybody looks at the injustices of the world and the injustices in our own lives, the unfairness, the suffering, and they say, why, God, why don't you step in and make things right? Please bring justice. But yet nobody wants God to peer too deeply into their life and judge them. After all, we've already taken stock of ourselves. And truth be told, we may not be perfect, but we're pretty good people, better than most, right? We don't need any God way up there in heaven to 
to go snooping around or telling us any differently. Have you ever been in a traffic jam where there's, um, there's construction and maybe three lanes of traffic are going down to one lane and there's, there's other roads feeding in at the same time and so traffic's just a mess. It's all snarled up. It's super heavy. And, and you merge left where you're supposed to and, and then you just sit there. And you sit there. And every so often there are these annoying cars whizzing past you on the right. They're driving on the shoulder where they're not supposed to and they're cutting to the front of the line, slowing things down, making things worse for everyone else while they're getting ahead. That, that's, you ever get frustrated by that? I mean, where's a cop when you need one to bring justice? But what about that time that you were in a hurry and uh, you had a really good reason not to be late and you did it or, or something like it? Maybe that felt okay. Maybe that even felt good. Do you want justice for others? Or do you also want to be judged yourself? We all tend to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, to to cut ourselves a little slack. Because everybody wants justice, but nobody wants to be judged. Well, here's the thing that, that we have to come to grips with, and that is that you can't have a God who's just for everyone else but doesn't judge you. Because that's a fake God. That's a phony God. That's a, 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 a made-up personal God of our own imagination. In the words of Depeche Mode, it's our own personal Jesus. It's not the real God who really rules over the universe and will make sure that justice is done for everyone. And so if we're going to know this God, the real God who is just, We're going to have to deal with our squeamishness or or fear about being judged ourselves. And I want to see if if I can help us do that this morning as we look at God's word. Because if we want to get to know someone and have a relationship with someone, in this case God, we, we can't pick and choose which parts of them we want to embrace and which parts of them we're going to ignore. In a close relationship, we've got to relate to all of who the other person is. And so if you want to get close to God, you want to know who God is, you've got to deal with all of who God is, including God's justice. And so let me offer two ways that that we can come to know and appreciate God's justice. First, it's to realize, as we've already been doing, that it is a really good thing that God is just. According to the scriptures, in in God's governing of the world, God is completely just and will bring justice. Theoretically, at least, I think we can all agree that that's a good thing, that the ultimate authority in the universe is a just authority. Just like we hope that if we take a matter to court and, and the court does not render a just verdict, that we can appeal the matter to a higher court and that they will give us justice. And if they don't give us justice, we can appeal it again, higher and higher, if necessary, all the way to the Supreme Court. And we long and we hope that there in the highest court, justice will be done. Aren't you glad that in the highest court of the universe, there is complete, wise, and impartial justice? This is good news. It's good news that God is just and that God rules the world with justice. But of course, in our experience, it isn't always 
or there isn't always justice in this world over which God rules. People live and they die, and many times they never see justice, which is one reason that we know that this life is not the end. If God rules the world with justice and we do not receive justice in this lifetime, then this lifetime must not be the end of the story. And so tied up with the idea of God's justice is the idea of God's future judgment. And as the book of Revelation describes it later in chapter 20, we read, Then I saw a great white throne. Okay, think about the Supreme Court. Appealing to the highest court of the land for justice. And him who was seated on it. And the earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in them and death and Hades the dead that were in them. And everyone was judged according to what they had done. This is good news, right? In the end, there is justice. Things will be put right. The bad guys will finally get what they deserve. The victims will be compensated. uh, And they will be vindicated for their suffering. Ultimately, perfect justice will be done. God will do what is right and fair and good. And so the first way we embrace God's justice has to do with remembering that we do want to live in a world where ultimately there is justice. The second way to embrace a God who is just has to do with posturing ourselves in a place where judgment will be a good thing for us. Putting ourselves in a position where judgment will be welcome This is what we see in the experience of the voices crying out from under the altar in the first revelation passage. They're longing for justice. And Jesus encourages us in this as well. Listen to Luke 6. He says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how your ancestors, or their ancestors treated the false prophets. Jesus is talking here about two kinds of people and how each will be affected by justice when it comes. One group follows Jesus. They identify with Jesus enough that they're persecuted. They're also poor. They're hungry. They weep. The other group are rich, they're well-fed, they laugh, everyone speaks well of them. The first group are the lowly, they're those at the bottom. The second group are on top. And Jesus says justice is coming. The first will be last, the last will become first. The lowly will be raised up, and the high and mighty will be brought down. The God of justice will bring judgment 
And that will be a good thing. And so Jesus says, if you want to be blessed when judgment comes, place yourself among those on the bottom who will be blessed. Not among those on the top who will be brought down. Then you will long for justice too and you will rejoice when it comes. But many of us have not done this. We kind of skip right over that passage. Passages like it when we read it. And so we find talk of judgment very unpleasant because we have a lot to lose. If you look at the world, at at where there's great poverty and there's great oppression in the world, here's what you find. You find that, that the victims, the poor, the oppressed, those persecuted for their faith, they long for justice. They welcome the good news that over the world there is a God who is just, a God who is strong and powerful, and that judgment through Jesus Christ is coming. Meanwhile, we who are comfortable, we who are wealthy, we who are blessed as a whole culture, we tend to prefer to think of God as gentle and kind and gracious. After all, life is so stressful for us. We need comfort. We need encouragement. We need people not to have to feel guilty, but to feel peace and affirmation and to have their self-esteem reinforced. And the idea of God's judgment or or justice doesn't raise within our hearts longing or hope like it does for those we read about in today's passage. The, The slain who cry out from under the altar for God to bring justice. In fact, I don't think we really want justice. If we did, we'd we'd do a lot more now to courageously identify with Jesus and to, to give up what we have and share it with those who don't have so things could be more fair. And so, if we're going to grow, and we're going to get to know God, and we're going to embrace all of who God is, we are going to have to find ways to place ourselves alongside and among those on the bottom. This is what Jesus tells us also in the great parable of judgment, the parable of the sheep and goats in Matthew 25. Who are the sheep who are rewarded in the end? They're those... um, who saw the least of Jesus' brothers and sisters, who were hungry, who were naked, who were sick, who were in prison, those on the bottom, and they identified with them. And they came alongside of them, and they did what they could to help them. And who were the goats, those punished in the judgment? They were those who did nothing to recognize or help the hungry, the naked, the sick, those in prison who were on the bottom. Jesus says, if you want to get your mind straight and your heart straight about God's judgment then be among and come alongside and share in the suffering of those on the bottom. Be with them. Do what you can for them. Look below you into the cracks of society. There are people down there suffering. Don't ignore them. Don't write them off. No, join them. Serve them. Be among them because justice is coming. But wait, this all sounds so economic and and political, like liberation theology or something. I thought God's judgment was for sin. Am I saying that that the poor get a special pass from God like they're saved by their poverty or something? Well, I'm not. But but maybe you're like me and and you were taught to picture God's judgment like God playing a giant movie of your life. You know, he's on his throne there and it shows all those hidden things that you did like, like the time in high school when my friends were passing around that girly magazine and instead of letting it skip me, I gave in to curiosity and peer pressure and I took a peek and that time that you gossiped about that girl when you, when you should have kept your mouth shut, that God's playing a movie of all these things and, 
Yes, all of our actions, all of our words factor into God's judgment. But I'm focusing especially on on the high and mighty versus the poor and lowly because the Bible so often does. Read what Jesus has to say about judgment. Read the book of Revelation. Read the prophets. Read the law. Our economic lives, things like power and status and politics and social inequities, all have to do with God's justice. God cares deeply about these things. God will right all of these wrongs. God will bring justice. Not a slap on the wrist, not a symbolic overture of disapproval, but a full, complete redress in which everyone gets fully what they deserve. And yes, all of our personal decisions and our moral behaviors and choices also all factor into God's judgment. All of our lives matter. All of our choices matter because God is fully and completely just. The highest court, the very top court of appeal will in the end see that complete and full justice is done. Every wrong will be made right. Every victim will be compensated. Every falsely accused will be vindicated. Listen to what Bible teacher Frederick Dale Bruner has to say about God's judgment. He says, the wrath of God is not the irritability of God. It's the love of God in friction with injustice. It is the warm, steady, patient, but absolutely fair grace of God in collision with manifest selfishness. A love that pampers injustice is not lovable. So God's justice is is coming. It is absolutely certain. It is good. And are you ready to welcome it? Scripture and common sense tell us not to be too cavalier about how we will make out in the judgment. In the movie Shawshank Redemption, if you, if you saw it, the protagonist is sentenced to a maximum security prison for murdering his wife, which is a crime he did not actually commit. But once he's in prison, he quickly realizes that his innocence means nothing. As an old-timer explains to him, everyone in here will tell you they're innocent. And while that's a bit of an exaggeration, that's the human condition, isn't it? Everyone will tell you they're basically innocent. The the way we see things, we're, we're not so bad. There are others who are far worse. We're not perfect, but we're not so bad either. We're We're more good than bad. So, so if or when the scales of justice tip, they're bound to tip in our favor, we figure. And so we all tend to overestimate our innocence and to underestimate our guilt. That's just the human condition. It's the human delusion. It's always the other guy who's more at fault than we are. I mean, haven't you ever had a, a fight with, whether it's a spouse or someone else? You, you both think you're right. And you can't understand why they think that they're right because you know that you're right and they feel the same way about you. It's, it's the human condition. But one day, all that delusion will be stripped away before the bar of God's judgment. When the bright light of God's true justice shines on us, all will be seen for what it really is. And scripture warns us that we will all be shown to fall short. And so it warns us to be humble to be contrite. Because at the heart and the center of the universe and of all things is a God who is completely impartial, completely fair. No one will pay God off or get a buddy deal because of inside connections. 
No one will hire a laughter crafty, uh, sorry, <laughs> will hire a lawyer crafty enough to get them off on a technicality. Everyone will get exactly what they deserve. Not what they think they deserve, but what is actually and truly just in the eyes of the great God of justice who sees all. Isn't that great news? <laughs> or do you have mixed feelings because while everyone wants justice, nobody wants to be judged. And so question as, as we begin to, to wrap up. Imagine you, you get home and there's a message on your voicemail. It's from the county courthouse in White Plains. And the message explains that you're being summoned to court. You see, the county has instituted new state-of-the-art traffic technology. And they have been able to review all of your movements behind the wheel. Your speed at all times, your driving patterns, any patterns of unsafe, aggressive driving, whether you came to a full stop at all stop signs and lights, whether you ever texted while driving, whether you fully obeyed all traffic laws, whether you, even whether you passed on the right. They have all of this information and they have computers which have flagged any violations over the past five years. A number of violations, the message goes on to say, have been uncovered in your case. And the message doesn't say how many. But you must report to court before a judge to pay the full penalty for each. The message assures you, don't worry, our judges are completely impartial. You won't be punished beyond what you deserve. But neither will you or anyone else get less than they deserve. So question, how do you feel about getting that message? <laughs> are, are you glad that justice is finally being done in Westchester County? <laughs> that the crazy and irresponsible drivers are finally being brought to account? Or are you worried as you pictured yourself standing before the judge? Maybe you're concerned. Maybe you're even terrified. <laughs> Everyone likes justice, but... Nobody wants to be judged. Well, that voicemail message is coming. Not only for your driving, and not only for the past five years, but for your entire life. Your finances, your relationships, your words, your choices, your lifestyle. Are you ready to stand before the God of justice? Can you embrace, can you love, can you adore, can you worship a God of justice? In fact, are you longing for justice to come like those who cry out from under the altar in our passage? And if not, what are we to do? How are we to respond to a God of justice? Well, let me just make two very quick suggestions as we close. First, in the book of James, James chapter 2, verse 12, James urges us, speak and act as those who are going to be judged. Right to the point. Start living as if how you live matters. And then second, beg the judge for mercy. For James continues in verse 13, mercy triumphs over justice. Next Sunday, we'll look at God's amazing mercy. And uh, in a few minutes, we'll get to begin to contemplate it at this table.
Would you stand with us as we remember God's mercy?